This is Harrison Kim, and you're listening to Working With People by PaveStep. The Working With People podcast is for executives, managers, and people leaders. We bring people experts together to provide you with relevant content on how to think about and manage your most important asset, your talent. We have Allison here with us today. How are you? I'm doing great, Harrison. Where are you calling in from? I am in Singapore. All the way from Singapore. Awesome. Yes. awesome. How long have you been in Singapore? Oh, I've been in Singapore for over 20 years. It's home. Yeah, awesome. I used to say, oh, I'm home is where your suitcases are. <laughs> so, <laughs> my suitcases have been here for a long time. Awesome, awesome. So today we're going to be talking about growth leadership, right? And, and I, I know there's a lot of interesting things that we've talked about before as well that I, I'm excited to you know, bring out to the world. Uh, but before we do that, let's talk about you. Tell us who you are and what you do. Well, I'm the founder and CEO of Prodigy. And uh, Prodigy is a tech platform that enables uh, leaders and teams to build mindsets, capabilities, and culture for business growth and transformation. I'm also an organization psychologist. I'm an adjunct professor at the National University of Singapore. And I'm a mom. Awesome. Awesome. So let's start with a growth leadership. What does that mean? How do you define it? Well, you know, I think you got to start first by defining leadership. And I'll define leadership as driving collective effort to succeed. So if we use that as a starting point, then we, you, gotta, you back up and say, so what is it that is success in an organization? And so for profit businesses, uh, success is some kind of growth. That's why people invest in companies. It's what attracts them because there's, a, there's job opportunities, there's, op, there's um, growth within the organization. So growth leadership is the ability to create and to sustain business growth, which sounds kind of easy. Then you start to look at, well, so what drives <laughs> business growth? And that's really hard. And I guess I just want to say that I, when I use the word growth, I'm not talking about being some crazy growth at any cost, right? Because you have different stakeholders, they have different concerns. But if you look at what drives business growth, it's things like uh, the ability to create, to innovate, uh, not only to have new ideas, but to deploy those ideas. It's the ability to take outside in thinking and bring it and infuse it into the organization. Uh, business growth, we often don't think about the leadership capabilities that are needed, or we think that it's the responsibility of a small group of people. But business growth only happens when there's a critical mass of people that have capabilities that allow that organization to grow and to grow in a, a way that can be sustained over time. Gotcha. Gotcha. So um, when you talk about these growth leaders, right, what are some of the skills or qualities or uh, behaviors that they have and they act on? Well, growth leaders need to be able to do three things at the same time, which is what makes it so difficult. They need to be able to deliver results. They need to be able to build capabilities for the future, and they need to bring people along. So at the simplest level, it, they've got to perform, energize, and transform, which is why gr leading growth is so hard, because you really can't just do one. Within these areas, there's there's different aspects of that, but often you'll see people even very early in their career, you'll even see it in children. You see them dealing with these challenges of doing these things together. You know, how do I get results, deliver outcomes? 
How do I build the capabilities in myself and others that I'm going to need for the future? And how do I bring people with me? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So get results, build self and team and motivate team. Those are the kind of three things you just kind of mentioned here. Well, I would just say the talk about build self and team per, transform isn't just about people. It's also about building organization capabilities. And so when you talk about the transform capabilities, it's often a blend of process technology and people. It's not just about motivating mm-hmm. and developing people. Gotcha. Gotcha. That's, that's helpful to clarify. So what are some tactical ways for you know, business owners or companies thinking about, okay, here's, here, here's what we want to do. We want to develop leaders right within our organization. What are some tactical ways to develop the right mindset and right skills for um, you know, growing those, these growth leaders uh, within an organization. Any, any thoughts there? The first thing an organization needs to do is change the way they think about who they need to develop. I think that's the first point. Because often mm. when we think about leadership, we think about a very small group of people. But if you have more of an abundance mindset, then you think, well, actually, I have certain capabilities I need to build across the organization. And if I wait until somebody is at a certain level, I'm too late. I'm, mm. I'm dead in the water. And so for instance, the ability to connect the dots, I mean, I don't know how to say that in a more scientific way, but it's about the ability to, to work together towards a common good, you know, to reach out across teams, to agree on priorities, to resolve conflicts. That's a, that's a muscle or a capability that organizations need from day one. And if they can start shifting their mindset away from, well, I develop in a classroom or I send somebody off to Harvard or I get a coach, but they shift their mindset to say, every day we're doing things that creates an opportunity when we can, we can either grow and develop in, as we're doing our work or we can execute work. And I think that's a really important mindset to have because I always tell people that it's a little bit like a bank account. You know, you put money in your bank account and then you, you have a cumulative effect over time, mm-hmm. right? The, as you earn interest. And that ability to learn and capture learning from experience has that same cumulative effect. So if you have that mindset in your organization, you know, you're about to launch a new product, you think, wow, how do we magnify learnings from the experience of deploying that new product? Or how do we bring people on board the organization and help them learn how to reach out and connect the dots with others? It's a kind of how we work mm-hmm. becomes embedded into how, how we operate as a business. It makes a lot of sense, right? When you talk about the processes and technology and people, it's not just about the people, right? Because, you know, for us, when we think about, you know, capturing that knowledge and flowing it throughout the organization, we of course think about feedback and mentoring and apprenticeship, but of course you've got to have the right processes in place and technology or tools to really enable that in the most easy way. Right. Um, so that brings a lot of, uh, I resonate with that uh, for sure. Well, and also having a, being curious, a, a, a learning from the experience itself, allowing the challenge to maybe make you uncomfortable, but to be able to learn from it, those are all aspects of being able to capture learning from experience. So I think it's both, it's about figuring out what the challenges are that can build the capabilities you need and also creating opportunities for people to participate in experiences that can build the capabilities that you want. And often organizations are, 
you know, we find that one person who's really great and we want to give them everything. And so, again, if we think about the organization as a mechanism that had that is building capabilities every day, then we can be thinking about, you know, wow, what, what are the what's the work that's happening that really can be a catalyst for people as opposed to what's that course I can send somebody to? I like that. I like how you put that, where you think about the organization and you have opportunities and really kind of a role to really just play in people's learning on a daily basis, right? It's not just, hey, you're going to execute your role for three weeks and then, or three years maybe even, right? And we're going to take you to some training or some course or whatever so that you can level up and come back. It's no, no, no. Learning is happening on a day-to-day basis and people, uh, frankly, stay and get engaged by that, right? And it's good for everybody. It's a win-win-win. Yeah, that's a really important point. I know these days a lot of organizations are worried about retention, And, you know, I just say, look, we have so much research that says that work matters. People, people want good work. They want work that has meaning. They want work that they know what, how they're doing. Uh, They want to feel supported in the work they do. And that, I think that's a really important aspect also of development. You know, if we want an environment that is creating constant development, we have to make sure that people have great work. And part of that is having the right amount of challenge. It's about having the right amount of support to balance the demands of the work. And if we can focus more attention on creating great work, I think that we also will find that some of the problems that we experience in turnover can go away. It's really important for managers to know how to do that, to help people craft work that's rewarding and fulfilling um, and has the right amount of challenge in it. Right. How do you assess the right amount of challenge? It's, it, this, is, this is not an easy question, right? I mean, because of course, if you put somebody on without the capabilities or the capacity or the, or the, or the skill set or you know, even the willingness, right? Um, on something super challenging, I, think, I assume that probably burns people out more than anything else. Yeah. So you got to hit that right balance of like, okay, this is something that you can do. And this is something a little bit that you can't do, but it's going to energize you because you're going to develop and learn from it. How do you balance that out as a manager or a leader within the organization? Well, I love that question. I, I can tell you what I do, which is very mm. simple. I actually have an invented scale. And I say to people, you know, scale of one to 10, 10 is I am so pushed so hard, you know, I'm dying here and zero is what's that work? <laughs> and I ask people, where are you? And so you think, you say, oh, that's so unscientific. You know, why would you do that? But it gives a person a chance to kind of calibrate and say, oh, I'm feeling like mm-hmm. I'm a six or I'm a seven. Then you can say to them the next week or the next month, well, you were a six last month. Where, where do you feel you are now? And what you'll find is that if a person starts saying, well, I'm like an eight, you say, oh, is that comfortable? Then oh, I'm kind of feeling pushed. So you start to have a conversation about, how much push do you have right now? Are you, and people know that. And they may say, I'm feeling really stressed out right now. If they trust you, right? If you don't have a good trusting relationship, people might not feel comfortable saying that. And then you're really in trouble. Right. But if you can create a norm for talking about that um, and you understand kind of how you can help that person. There, there are people who have better resilience and some have lower resilience. And mm-hmm. so the more we can help people become more resilient, the more pressure they can deal with. So sometimes we have to take away the pressure. Sometimes we have to help the person cope with more pressure. Both, both gotcha. are important. 
I, I loved uh, your question. That's a very simple question. I'm going to now start including it in our employee engagement survey. Because <laughs> I, exactly. whenever I do my check-ins, right? I think that's awesome, right? Even just to be like, hey, I love it. here's the thing that we're going to be doing. And, and, and you know, over time, you're going to see it. And if you, see, if you start to see some drop, then you can kind of have that conversation, figure out what to do. Or if it's too high, you can figure out capacity and allocation of work and things like that. So um, that makes a lot of sense. Simple. Yeah, but I love that. That would be really powerful. Yeah, and I think that I love that you're thinking about doing that because have data for the sake of data is not it means nothing. But when data is a catalyst for conversations, that's just so powerful. Mm -hmm. And so to be able to have a mechanism in the organization to talk about it and say, oh, we see this trend, or you know, people are feeling really overwhelmed now. How do we drop that a little bit? Maybe we need to get people together and prioritize. That's often the, a big source of challenge for people in organizations is everybody has their priorities and then those just sort of roll downhill. And then you poor employees, suddenly they've got everyone else's priorities rolling down right. to them. And it's often because the people, maybe their managers don't want to take the time to really hash out and prioritize what's really important. Um, and I, I think that's an important aspect of growth. When you interact with growth leaders, you find that they're relentlessly prioritizing, constantly asking, should we do that? Is that important? Is that more important than this? And, and I think that's a skill that everyone has to learn. It's one of the things that I, I always ask employees to just keep like their own little portfolio of work and to mm. manage that in an active way. And then it'd be constantly prioritizing. We, as an organization, we use a tool called monday.com, which we love. Mm -hmm. And one of the features of it that I love so much is that you can physically can move the rows mm -hmm. of the priorities. And I like that because often we just say, well, that's high, medium, or low. And then right. inevitably everything's high. But right. <laughs> everything to, is high. <laughs> everything's yeah. high. You're like, yeah, no, that doesn't work. So you have to say, right, okay, put it in order, one, two, and three. And everyone will say, no, you can't do that. Say, okay, just try it. And that is a very powerful exercise to get a group of people to do. Uh, then they start to say, oh, actually, I, I think it's a six, but you think it's a one. Why is that? Um, right. So how do we come right. to agreement on the importance? Those, right. that, those are... Those are muscles that we can learn from day one in a job, and we're going to need them until we become CEO. Right, right. Makes sense. Absolutely makes sense. And, and yeah, sometimes it just gets lost in translation or communication too, right? You know, a manager's like, hey, can I get this done? And, you know, doesn't really think about it twice. And then, you know, you got the team members kind of, you know, running around trying to get it done. And two weeks later, they're like, oh, no, 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 don't worry about it. <laughs> you know, those are kind right. of the, one of the worst things that you can have. So, you know, setting that expectations up front and making sure there's a real communication funnel to, you know, check in on that and make sure that you're prioritizing often, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. The, one of my first boss once said to me, if your manager asked you for something and it doesn't make sense, just ignore it. And if it's important, they'll ask you again. <laughs> so I'm not sure I would always give that right. right, that right. Advice, but I think it actually makes sense. And the other thing you can do is say, by when? Right. Oh, you need that by when? And how important is it? And so I think for the for the individual receiving the request, they can have they can build skills that can help them to prioritize to ask you know when when is it due how important 
could you help me or could you give me this resource? And then for the person who's asking, what they can do is better delegate because what you, the example you had is just, again, it's an example of where people don't necessarily properly delegate uh, work to other people. And that creates a lot of chaos. Yeah, and I think this is especially a challenge for younger, newer employees or professionals in the workplace where, you know, they you know, are tasked with something, but they're af- kind of afraid, right, to ask like, hey, when do you need it by and how important is it, how much work should I be putting in, right? But, you know, those are questions that you should absolutely be asking and so that you can set expectations both ways clearly. Yeah, for sure. Well, you look at the you know research on trust says that there's sort of three key drivers of trust. Like I trust you if I believe that you're competent, if I believe that you are, you know, that you do what you say you're going to do, which is integrity, and that you are benevolent, which means that your behaviors take into account their impact on me, right? And one of the uh, things I always tell people it, when they're first starting out, particularly, is that the greatest way to destroy trust is by overcommitting, because then people <laughs> right. don't think that they're, then they think that they're not competent. And so part of how we help people see our competence is by being practical about what we can or cannot do. And you're, you're exactly right. You know, people are afraid. They're, oh, I'm afraid to say no. Or, so I think that learning right. how right. to say no in a way without pissing people off is a very good <laughs> skill. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> negotiate. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I, we used to call it, one of my old firms that I used to work at, we used to call it de-scoping. Um, and, and sometimes it can, it can definitely get a little annoying from a manager's perspective, but you know, you gotta, you gotta refine that skill of communicating that and in both ways and set expectations clearly. Awesome. <laughs> sure. Or you could say, I, it's so, I really am excited to do that. What would you like me not to do? That's right. another way. So, but again, you know, the culture that the, that the set in the organization is going to determine how much freedom people feel. Yeah. And, you know, I know people that are listening to your podcast or they'll often hear people talk about psychological safety and mm-hmm. psychological safety is the, the belief and the, the sense that I, I feel that I can express my views or my disagreement or mm-hmm. concerns and, or, and it's not going to be thrown in my face. Right. Right, right. And so having that kind of a culture is really important where we, people are allowed to make mistakes. They can challenge, they can push back. If we don't allow people to do that, then we can never get priorities because everyone yeah. will be just silent. I'll say, Oh, I better, I better just go off and do that. Right. right, so. right. Awesome. Those are the big questions that I had. First of all, thank you for your time. Where can the audience find you and your thought leadership? Well, they could find me on Twitter. It's Dr. Allison Eyring. They can find me in LinkedIn as well. Um, I don't think there's so many Allison Irings in the world. So usually if you Google me, you'll find me. Perfect, perfect. Well, everyone, thank you for listening to Working With People by PaveStep. Feel free to check out other episodes on pavestep.com slash podcast. Allison, thank you so much for your time. I hope you have a great weekend. Thanks, Harrison. It's been my pleasure.